Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. Simon says it's time for... I never saw that. Hot town, summer in the city. Back on my neck, getting dirty and gritty. It's summer in the city by the Love and Spoonful. That was special because as Micah was singing that, he was kind of gyrating his hips around. No, they they weren't gyrating; they were bouncing. In a special way. I was just bouncing my knees. But <laughs> you're so focused on the crotch area. Wow. Well, here we are. We've already arrived at the crotch <laughs> within seconds of beginning. So, which podcast are we recording for right now? I never saw that our sex podcast, or I never saw that the one where we're doing summer blockbusters. Um, we are doing summer block. I cannot say that to save my life. Every time I try to say summer blockbusters, I say summer blockbusters. <laughs> but anyway, this is another summer blockbuster. Hell yeah. Uh, we've been talking about doing it for a while. It was recommended by a friend of ours whom we actually watched this with. Yeah, it's 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance, the the threequel, the yeah. third yep. installment. Now I definitely feel like I need to see the second one because yeah. I'm missing... The only reason it matters, it doesn't matter in terms of following the plot, of course, but um, the only reason that it does matter a little bit is because apparently in the second one, he's with his ex-wife or his wife, Holly. Yeah, Bonnie Bedelia. Throughout. And then, I don't know, they break up at the end of it or something because in this one, they're not together. I think it's off screen. It happens between two and three and we just find Mm -hmm. out. Um, But he gives her a call at the end, which... You know, she's a real stubborn bitch. He does. He calls her from Canada with an American quarter, apparently. <laughs> but apparently that, that worked back in payphones back in the day. They're probably the same size and stuff. I'm trying to remember. I don't think Canadian corn corns? I don't think Canadian coins worked in... Canadian corns do not work in, in payphones pay in the U.S. Yeah. That's correct. Well, yeah, but U.S. corn, you can just stick a few kernels in there yep. and usually it'll... Well, depending on how far you want to... If it's long distance, you might have to do a whole cob. This is so stupid. Oh, this is one of our stupidest podcast episodes so far. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. <laughs> well, it's about to get real smart, Jen. Um, oh. Can I say a few interesting facts about Die Hard? If you must. So something I didn't realize... I do remember hearing this... Um, about the original Die Hard, um, which is a Christmas movie. I just want to state that. A hundred percent. That script was written for a different movie, and it was adapted and changed, and then they're like, okay, Bruce Willis will be in it. The same thing is true of the next two sequels. I don't know about after that, but Die Hard 2 was apparently written as something else, and it jumped through from studio to studio, and then they were like, why don't we just put Bruce Willis in it and make it a Die Hard movie? So they rewrote it. Yeah. And what? this one. They did that again. This one was originally written, it was based on characters that were in a book from the 70s 
Um, it was a screenplay adrap- adapted from that called Simon Says. Oh, uh-huh. That's why the structure of this movie is so like convoluted and gimmicky feeling. Hmm. Interesting. So they tried to make it a movie at a couple different studios again, and finally they picked it up and said, let's just rewrite it and make make it a John McClane Die Hard movie. I just, like, why wouldn't they, after the second one, realize that they had a franchise here? You know what I mean? Well, because when you can just take a script that's already written and say, we'll make this part of our franchise. Okay, so that's that's fucking interesting, man. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. Because of that, there is an alternate ending to this film. Oh, that we did not see? I want to talk about it at the end. It's available on DVDs, like special edition versions of the DVD. And apparently it's from like the original screenplay. Um, and they just, for reasons, decided to change it. Um, so hmm. I'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, this film stars Bruce Willis as John McClane. And I do feel like we should talk about Bruce Willis a little bit. He's going through some medical issues there were some issues with some films that he was coerced into doing what and what are you talking about like in the last year he had he has developed or over probably a long period of time but he developed aphasia and he's got some like degenerative issues going on as he's getting older and his family like sued some movie producers i think because he was being taken advantage of they got him to do some movies and he didn't really know what was going on. And I don't think they're releasing him because I think they got him shut down. Like, no, you can't do this. It's like embarrassing and you were taking advantage of this guy. Is uh, Does aphasia mean like when you can't speak or? Yeah, I don't. there are different kinds of aphasia, but I think, yeah, he can't speak and he can't remember certain things. Yeah, it's a sad story. Um, isn't he kind of a dick though? Well, he's a conservative Republican who lives in he, Idaho. Yeah, yeah, so he's a dick. I mean, yeah. not not... Not to say, like, I'm happy he has aphasia because of that. I'm just saying. I don't think he's, like, Trump level, like, John Voight level. Of, really? I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, it fits with some of the shit he says in this movie, actually. Like, you know. Yeah, there are a lot of things we'll get into. Our, yeah, our friend Len, who was the one who suggested this, who watched it with us with a few other friends of ours. Um, who fucking loves this movie. Loves this movie. But she was like, you're going to love it because there's like tons of racial shit in it. Yeah. And there's a lot of racial shit in it. She was totally right. Uh, and I I did dig it. Yeah. So there's a lot of racial shit in it because his co-star in this one is Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. So this was after Pulp Fiction. That's right. Like a year later. So um, these two were And these two guys act like they don't buds. even know each other. I know. It was weird to it's me. Really I was weird. like, wow, how come they don't? How come they don't remember each other from the pulp, from the Pulp Fiction movie? So his name is Zeus Carver in this, which I really like. Um, we also have a couple other characters who are really good. Walter Cobb is uh, John McClane's boss. He's like a cop dude, and he has frosted tips, which everybody <laughs> had in the '90s, even middle-aged old. <laughs> I was wondering cop why you brought him up. I was like, why is he such a good character? Oh. He's also really good. He has a badass mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeus has two little nephews. Dexter and Raymond, who he takes care of and um, has a great speech. The opening scene with with them them is adorable. Uh, And I thought, I was under the impression that he was running a pawn shop. I think I just always think that people are running pawn shops. Anytime someone comes into a store. (laughs) Anytime there's a store in a movie. No, anytime somebody brings an object into a store. Uh, I'm like, oh, it's a pawn shop. Like they're trying to sell it to him yeah i know it's an electronics shop yeah i realized yeah. that later because he kept saying i'm an electrician 
And then, you know, eventually. He also was a I cab was like, driver. Oh, it wasn't a pawn shop. And a locksmith, apparently. He's got a lot of skills and a math genius. He likes riddles, which will come I up don't, later. I wouldn't say math genius. He's good at riddles. Which reminds me, Micah, what has four legs and is always ready to travel? Don't you have any kids, man? It's a children's joke about it's an elephant elephants. Joke. I was going to try to tell a different riddle that I made up. Like, okay, I'll make one up. What has three legs and is never ready to travel? A three-legged stool that's attached to the floor. Anyway. Was that the answer you were looking Micah, for? Micah, are or? you really not going to do your stupid segment? Or are we oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah, we'll do it. Why do you forget? You forget like every I week. I didn't forget. We're going through the beginning, introducing the movie. I want to talk about one more cast member okay. who's important in this movie. His name's Jeremy Irons. You may have heard of him. Yep. He's a British actor who's playing, well, we'll get into that later, who he's playing. Okay. I The only thing I've seen Jeremy Irons in is a version of Lolita. So. Yeah, he's kind of icky. He's gross he's to me because dude. of that. He also reminds me, he doesn't look anything like him really, but he all I could think about was Christopher Lloyd every time he spoke in this movie because he sounds exactly like him to If me. you get rid of the accent, kind of. Yeah, it's like the same voice, and also yeah. his mouth is very similar. Hmm. I've never thought of that before, but I did hear it when you mentioned Most it. Most people haven't, and so that's what I'm, I'm here to enlighten, you know, the people. Good. About the things. Well, let's enlighten you about a comic from the early 90s. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. So we're into October, Jen. October wow, 1st. Wow, really? 1994. 1994. Oh my God. I was like old hat at this Montana therapeutic boarding school You've shit. You've been there, what, then. a month and a half? Yeah. So October 1st, 1994. I probably wasn't even the new girl anymore. Do you remember what you did that day? Oh, yeah. Other yeah. than say, damn it, I wish I knew what Non Sequitur by Will Wiley Miller was oh, today. We have done that. We have done we this have one. We have done Non Sequitur. Not this one, but we've done Non Sequitur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, one panel, we're in a park, Jen. It's wide. It's just like where I was on the actual day. Oh, yeah, you were in yeah, a park? Yeah, they took us to a park. We had a big picnic, uh -huh. barbecue that kind sounds, of thing. Yeah, that sounds like what we you guys did. Horseshoes. Mm. Um, we ate cake. Yeah, that's something that people often do at the beginning of October in Montana, is have picnics outside. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, the weather can really be anything at any time in Montana, except yeah. except in the winter. It's always freezing. But October could be pretty nice. Could be nice. Yeah. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, I am joking. We didn't go to any parks or have any picnics or um, I mean, you eat went, any cake. You were ever. kind of in a park, like a big, wild, if vast wilderness will. park. And you were always I mean, having picnics because you were camping and eating outside. I guess you could consider that a picnic. Yeah. Our frozen carrots and PB&J. That's Yum. what we ate every time we were on a on an anything. that we, Anytime we weren't at the school. Anyway, so tell me about non sequitur. All right. We're in a park. There's a big like road through the park that looks like it has like a path, but it's really wide. It's like these big cement tiles basically it's like one two three four four tiles wide and the tiles like you could easily fit two people on a tile standing next to each other so it's a really wide path through 
a park. There's like forest on one side or on both sides of the park mm-hmm. or of the path. Um, and there are two people walking toward us okay. um, on the left side. This is a wide single panel. There's a woman and a man uh, walking toward us. And the woman has uh, the typical like short curly hair on the top. Uh-huh. Um, she's got a white sweater or something on the top and black or gray pants below. Um, next to her is a man who is wearing, looks like maybe a cardigan um, mm-hmm. with like a black shirt with, you can see lapels. So he probably has a collared shirt underneath a sweater and then a jacket. Maybe a lot of layers going on here. I guess it's October in the park, you know. Right, um, right. He has a, it looks like a comb over. He's wearing glasses. Um, and they're walking toward us. Are they, what are their body types like, you know, just? They're the typical cartoon body types. Which are? Just real big. Okay, I don't, I don't think of that as typically cartoon, like. No, but about, like, like the far side and, and Wiley Miller, apparently. And they like to draw people, big people. Big people, okay. yeah. Um, so they are looking behind them. We can see the path stretching out into the distance, you know, and getting smaller and smaller, winding back. But to their left, our right, um, they're looking over to their left. Wait, and let me process that. To their left, our right. Okay, they're facing gotcha. Us. No, yeah. I get it. Just took me a second to really visualize. On the far right side of the path, um, there's something going on that they're looking at. And our the, right? Our right, as we look <laughs> okay. at it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the woman says, isn't that cute, dear? They're evolving into a civilized society. Okay. And on the right side of the path, that they're they're looking at this interaction that's happening. They're left. They're left. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Big, big path. So there's like one and a half tiles between them. Uh, there are some really big fucking squirrels, like huge squirrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Like these squirrels would come up to your elbow if you were with one of them has his arm stretched straight up and it roughly, I mean, and they're behind the people a little bit. They're at the back of one of these little tiles. They're fucking enormous. Okay. Anyway. Why? Are they supposed to be enormous? Is that no, part of the No, I think you just thing? had to draw them big so you could see detail. <laughs> okay. Um, but as I'm looking at it, it's like the scale doesn't match up. It's, <laughs> these are, these are like fucking bear squirrels or something Mm -hmm. um so as i said one of them is standing there with its arms straight up in the air both hands Mm -hmm. you can see little fingers outstretched um it's paws sorry it's a squirrel and on the ground around it are one two three four five little dark things in the shape of acorns because you know the squirrels like them acorns okay and in front of that squirrel with his hands up in the air, outstretched, mm-hmm. is another squirrel with a gun. Oh. It's like a little squirrel mugging, you know? Oh, I see. And yeah. her comment is that that is a civilized society. Yeah, like they're evolving into us, you know? That's so sad. Yeah. That's like the saddest up. one you've ever done. <laughs> that is like so severely depressing. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I, um, have been quite depressed lately, and so. Well, that's what people want when they're reading the paper. They're like, "I'm going to go to the comics today. I need something depressing and dark. I don't want to read the news. You know, there's always something good." I don't in there. know if most people would find it depressing or dark, though. You know, it would just be like, "Oh, ha, ha, ha. Ha. squirrels shooting oh, a squirrel each other, with a gun. Just like people." That's hilarious. Funny. I picked it because it's in the park, and because there's a gun. 
Uh huh. And, and and that's connected to this movie. Yeah, in Die Hard with a Vengeance, there's the scene where they drive through the park. They like Dukes of Hazard style drive through a park in a cab. Yep. Central Park. Mm-hmm. In New York City. Yep. But I didn't good. see any squirrels with guns. I mean, if there are going to be squirrels with guns, it's going to be New York City. Am right. I right? Yeah. <sighs> Crime. No. Crime. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I guess this is a comic we could actually talk more at length about if we really wanted to dig into, like, the insinuation that she's making, however unintentionally. But I think that we should probably go back to... Um, the movie see you in the funny paper soon yeah let's talk about die hard with a vengeance instead okay it's got so many things jen there's explosions you know summer blockbuster style there's action there's quippy one-liners and something i wasn't expecting there's a game of simon says mm-hmm. and there are riddles yeah so many riddles also the n-word Oh, uh, yeah, um, prominently like, featured. Wow. That was In really, one of the opening scenes. really jarring. Mm-hmm. I could not, I was like, wow. I don't, it's it's different. Seeing it written somehow is I'm not worse, but like, so at the beginning, the dude, oh, let me just give the. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let try. me give a quick um, plot synopsis. So there's a dude who is German. And he calls the place, the police place. Well, and he blows says, up a building. Just you be quiet. Okay, I'm giving, sorry. He blows up a building, like I said, and then he calls the police place and he asks for John McClane. And now in my notes, I wrote McClabe. But yeah, yeah. John McClabe. <laughs> I have a lot of really fucked They up do notes. a really funny thing where they're like, is there a detective McClabe here? Do we have a McClabe? It's not- funny and they don't do it do you mean mclean <laughs> anyway oh yeah so the guy he's suspended his boss says yeah he's suspended and the german dude jeremy irons is like mclean is not suspended not today mclean yep. yep and so um yeah when why do you get to call the police station as a german dude and be like i'm in charge of hr decisions now He's well, because he was throwing up buildings and he's oh, right. not throwing, throwing up. up oh my god blowing up buildings <laughs> and he says if you don't get John, if you, if you don't find John McClane and make him do this thing, I'm going to blow up more buildings. And the thing he wants him to do is go to Harlem wearing like a sandwich board that says, I hate N-words on it. Yes. But guess what? It doesn't say N-words. It says the word. Yeah, it does. And In the TV wow. version, they made it say, I hate everybody. Which is fucking hilarious to me because the whole point is that he's in this like black neighborhood, right? <laughs> With no clothes on. He just has boxers and a big sandwich board that says, I, love, I hate everybody. I love the idea that all these dudes would rush over there and be so angry that he had a board on that said, I hate everybody. Well, like, they're part of everybody, uh, Jen. I know. I know, Micah, but Makes it's sense just to me. really, really funny. <laughs> like they could have made it say, I hate black people or something, you know, or I hate. I don't know, but Harlem even. But like, I hate everybody. I hate everybody. It's just like the worst possible choice they could have made. But anyway, so Samuel Jackson comes out and saves his ass. There's really no reason why he should because this dude, as far as he knows, is just this racist piece of shit standing there. I love Samuel Jackson. Uh Uh-huh. This movie. You don't like him in it? I love him in it. He's great. The character they wrote for him is a magical Negro. That's the trope that he's playing. Yeah. 
He can do everything. He's an electrician. He can start a car yeah. with a screwdriver. I agree. They made him that that's the trope. But I but he also does kind of I mean, he he questions Bruce Willis's assumptions about him and the yeah. things that he can do because he's like, why you think because I'm black, I should be I know how to hotwire a car or I know how to. And of course, I mean, it's because he's an electrician that you know how yeah. to do it. Um, but it takes too long, so he just sticks so he a just screwdriver, uses a screwdriver in there. Yeah. Also, we are or a knife or something. Uh, and there's a part with a gun where Samuel L. Jackson doesn't know how to shoot a gun, and Bruce Willis is like surprised, and he's like, "How's it work? You know how to shoot a gun? Look, all brothers don't know how to shoot guns. You racist motherfucker. Sue me." They also have a few conversations where Samuel L. Jackson calls him out or thinks he's going to say he's going to call him the n-word or thinks he's like making assumptions about mm-hmm. him because he's black and john mcclain's reactions are not great they and they don't really address it it's subtle i think i think john mcclain comes off looking like an idiot and that's kind of samuel jackson's response is like you dumb motherfucker he just shakes his head and explains like no yeah i, I don't know well like he calls him bruce will the uh, McClabe calls, um, what's his name in the movie? Oh, Zeus. Zeus. He calls Zeus a racist. Yeah, he says, you don't like me because I'm white. You're yeah, racist. Yeah, you're a racist. You got some fucking problem with me because I'm white, Zeus? Is that it? Huh? Have I oppressed you? Have I oppressed your people somehow? I'll tell you what your problem is. You don't like me because you're a racist. What? You're a racist. You don't like me because I'm white. I don't like you because you're going to get me killed. You're going to get me killed. Is what he exactly, says. Exactly, and which, which is, is true. True, exactly. But and the a, look on his face is also like, "You dumb idiot." Well, the like, other, I'm not racist. The other great line, <laughs> and actually, this reminds me that there is a reason that he comes out to to save Bruce Willis, although he didn't know he was a cop at the time. But whatever, he says in the police station, like, "Why'd you save my ass?" I didn't. I stopped a white cop from getting killed in Harlem. One white cop gets killed today. Tomorrow we got a thousand white cops, all of them with itchy trigger fingers. Got it? And that he does... kind of racial stuff I I really liked about this movie because it was yeah. honest. But then yeah, I'm undecided about what they were going for, honestly, because I agree that it makes him look like an idiot. But I don't know whether yeah. that was the intent because Samuel Jackson does talk a lot about white people, understandably and rightfully, but. You know, then Bruce Lewis is like, stop with the racial shit. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. And, I think and in 95, like, especially. Exactly. And it's even hard now, to know. they could have been playing it, trying to play it both ways. Yeah, I think a little bit they I were. I think uh, some white people watching this movie back then and still would watch it and be like, yeah, he is racist. It's all about racial stuff. <laughs> and they'd be on John McClane's side. And some other people would watch and say, yeah, yeah Zeus is right. He hasn't said anything wrong. Where's the lie? That's the thing. I think, I don't know. I, I think I think that you can play it both ways a little bit when you have like a buddy cop sort of, I mean, he's not a cop, but when you have this kind of thing where like there's racial tension, I think that you can do a little bit of that and have it be okay. But you need to be, I mean, it's like punching up, right? You need to be punching up. Yeah. I And I, I do feel like they they mostly were on that side of it. And they also just didn't really take a stance there's no resolution for that they become friends and they become buddies and they look out for each other but they don't Mm -hmm. they don't talk it out which they specifically talk out lots of things in this movie Mm -hmm. and tell us what to think and what we're supposed to be seeing um it's funny you mentioned buddy cop though because that was one iteration of the screenplay before Mm -hmm. it became a diehard movie right it was going to be a lethal weapon movie 
Ah, okay. And they couldn't make it work. Which so. is what I thought. No, wait. When did I think we were watching Lethal Weapon? Recently. Or no. No, no, no. I thought Die Hard. I always get Die Hard and Lethal Weapon mixed up. And I I think. Well, the this first one especially time, because. I think the first time I watched Die Hard, which was only like a couple years ago. Um, you thought it was Lethal Weapon. Well, I was like, wait, where's, where's like, Danny Gibson Glover? Glover? <laughs> <laughs> just like when we watched, <laughs> just like when we watched Independence Day, and I was like, where the fuck is Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Uh, All right. I also want to talk about one other issue uh, that I have with this movie. Um, I think there might be a total of five or six women on screen in this entire mm. film. In the whole of New York City. I mean, there's more. I can think of four. But there are three characters that are like main characters in the yeah, film. Yeah, ish. I mean, they're there. One is a black police officer. Right. Who immediately picks up the phone and it's the terrorist calling uh-huh. and gets shut down by her boss who's like, oh, yeah. not now. Don't talk to me. And then she, and I'm then, taking care of important business. And, and then, then McLean calls her sweetie yeah. or something. Honey and or she's something. an officer. That's yeah, her like... It's, She's Officer whatever in the movie. I believe Officer Jane is how she's like listed. She gets called Sweetie. She answers phones and she cleans up John McClane's wounds because they don't have medical staff at police precincts. They just have the women do it. Right, right. And now it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. There's also Officer Kowalski, which is uh, she's the maid from Clue, the movie Clue. I thought Kowalski was Graham Greene. No, that's somebody else. I think this is she's she's Officer Kowalski. Okay. Um, and she, yeah, Graham Greene's another cop in it. Um, he kind of has a minor part here and there. Um, but Officer Kowalski is another like lady cop that doesn't get to do anything really. Um, and then there's one other woman who plays a major role in the film. Uh, the character's name is Katya. She's a terrorist, and she's mute. She's mute. Yeah. She has a big scar on her neck, so I guess we're just supposed to know that she can't talk. I mean, yeah, because you looked it up and it said she's a certified mute. I don't right? know what the fuck that means. I'd, I mean, she's got a certificate is what that means. <laughs> did did they show her certificate at some point? Did I miss it? Was <laughs> yeah. it like a quick shot? Yeah. She has it framed in her in her um, terrorist office. Mm, yeah. Okay. You I know? just missed that, I guess. Yeah. It was a detail that, you know. She doesn't say a word in the whole film. She's mute, my guy. I know that, but why? I don't know. I mean, and why make the why is it got to be the woman who's mute? Like they're she's, already pretty much mute. Why she's supposed would you to be the, that decision? The partner, like the girlfriend of one of the other terrorists, and they yeah. somebody planted a bomb in his bed, in their bed, but he wasn't there, so he got away. But she had her neck injured, and now she's mute. I don't know. I guess, yeah. She has or, perfect makeup. She kills a bunch of dudes, splatters blood everywhere. She's later, like, in the same scene, she's totally clean, perfect makeup, perfect hair, perfect eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also this, there's a school principal who's also a woman. Yeah. But those are the three, like, female characters, characters that are main. But they're not. I mean, I would say, characters. actually, I would say the mute is more of a character <laughs> even than the other two. I mean, the one with the curly hair, the black woman is sort of just like there. Yeah. She's like not a character at all. And then the woman from Clue is like, she is a character, but doesn't really have a personality or like, she does get to save the kids at the end, her and Graham Greene, I guess. Because the whole thing, uh, are we going to go through the whole, like we don't need to say the whole plot, right? But like the guy, the German dude, 
Jeremy Irons, Simon, um, Dick Face. Is that what he calls him? At one point, he's like, hey, Dick Face. Yeah. Hey, fuck it. Yeah, you, fuck it. Yeah, you, <laughs> Dick Face. <laughs> it's so funny. I gotta say, Bruce Willis is pretty funny. Fuckhead, sorry. It's fuckhead, he says. It's fuckhead. Okay. Hey, fuckhead. Yeah, you, fuckhead. Sorry, it's fuckhead, not dickhead. Or dickface, <laughs> or whatever I said. Um, but it's actually very funny. But, like, it it did remind me of uh, Between Two Ferns, the Bruce Willis oh Between my Two God. Ferns, which um, anyone listening, if you haven't seen that, I I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, go see it. It's First good. of all, Look Between it up Two on Ferns the in general. Yeah. But Zach Galifianakis interviews Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is, is so it's great. funny. Now I feel like, oh, maybe that was early signs of aphasia and it wasn't supposed to be funny, but I don't think so. I think it's, I no. think it really was just. He was aware. He, he was, and yeah, and he, was he on plays board. like a dumbass, you know, like a dumbass tough guy really well in a funny, in a funny sort of way. Yeah. Anyway, so the German guy planted a bomb in a school, he said. Yeah. One of the schools in New York. And then there's a riddle, which is what's, um, what is 21 of 42 and that's how they're supposed to figure out which school it is, which they eventually figure out means it was the 21st president mm-hmm. because at the time Bill Clinton was president. He was the 42nd president. Right. And they have a conversation about like, who's the 42nd president? Hillary Clinton. No, she'd be the 43rd. Right. Yeah. Wah, wah. Um, so anyway, they're trying to find what school the bomb is in. And so they go and save a bunch of kids. And then it turns out it's a fake bomb. And the whole time he's just actually been trying to get money. But he pretended like he wasn't trying to get money. He was just playing games with them. But really, he he fucked with them real hard. Um, He did a pretty good job until he exploded in his helicopter at the end. So Simon is, at one point, there's been a whole bunch of other bombings and stuff. They blew up a department store. They blew up a subway. That scene is fucking awesome. Um, Yeah, There are some great action scenes, for sure. And they're not too long, I will say. They're great. And they just go, like, the movie is structured so strangely. And like Len pointed out, it ends like three times. And you're like, oh, it's over. (laughs) Nope. Okay, they're still going. Oh, God. Um, There are so many weird things. First of all, Simon, he finds out in a van. This is, it's just mind boggling to me. Simon calls them multiple times and talks on the phone. They talk on pay phones. They talk at the police station. This is a German guy who specifically asks for John McClane. Mm-hmm. Who is this? Call me Simon. What do you want? I want to play a game. What kind of game? Simon says. Simon's going to tell Lieutenant McClane what to do, and Lieutenant McClane is going to do it. <laughs> and right, wants right. John McClane dead, because oh. he keeps putting him in these situations. He keeps oh my God. It's threatening so... him. He clearly hates him. Even it's the psychologist hilarious. that they bring in, the shrink they bring into the police station, is like, he hates you, and he wants to torture you and then kill you. <laughs> and Bruce Willis the whole time is Nobody like, Nobody makes the connection. Why does this German guy hate me? If we don't do what this guy says, he's going to blow up another public well, place. Why me? What has he got to do with me? I have no idea. He just said it had to be you. It's yeah. fucking mind-boggling. And you're like, wait. They go through his, like, his collars for people named Simon to try to figure out who would hate him. Does it never occur to him? like, oh, Or anyone around him? There was this one German dude that the I FBI. killed. Yeah. It was a big deal. 
a couple of years ago in L.A. Like, does he kill this many German guys? Yeah, it doesn't occur to him. What the fuck? I, I mean, I mean, a building blew up. You were in L.A. on Christmas. It, that would kind of be something like a formative experience or something well, that you would is, remember in your life. Because when they finally bring it up, one of the FBI guys is like, "The name Gruber mean anything to you, Lieutenant?" Rings a bell, yeah. You can tell that, yes, it's a big deal to him. Well, it's yeah, like, because you, we see Alan Rickman falling to his death. Then you see that scene from the original Die Hard. <laughs> they show a flashback. Yeah, yeah. Like, But anyway, yeah, we, we still all got it. said. Thank you, film director. The, we the, all got it the instant a German guy picked up the phone and started talking. Yeah, it's a Die Hard movie. What the fuck? It's Anyway, it's Hans Gruber's brother is the thing yeah. I can't believe we haven't said yet till now. Uh, but... um. Which I did have to, I wanted to say at the beginning when I was watching the movie, I was happy because we recently watched True Lies and the bad uh, guys in that are Arab terrorists. Oh my God, yeah. So these yeah. guys, Simon is running, they're called, the FBI dudes call them freelance terrorists. Right, totally. They work By on contract. contract. Yep. Like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know because I don't know who whose contract are they under. Well, they say... That they think they're working for the Iranians right now. Oh, of course. So I was like, okay, cool. So the bad guys are Germans, which I know that's an old tired trope and they're just reusing it. But I, it makes sense at least because he killed the dude's brother. But then, nope, they are working for some Middle Easterners. I didn't actually even catch that because I, I actually was going to say I appreciate that the terrorists were not of Middle Eastern descent or Arab. Ugh. But... But yeah, they can't, they definitely can never be Americans. Like, you would never have no. an American terrorist. There's in never the 90s. been a I mean, one yeah, can you incident think of, of an American terrorist. Of an American terrorist? Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, That's oh. ridiculous, Jen. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, can I share some of the things I wrote? Please. In my notes, <laughs> because they're just really. They always um, are. They always are, really. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, there's a bunch of worthless stuff. And then I wrote, Damuel L. Jackson. Damuel? <laughs> yep. God, Damuel L. Jackson. Um, and then, <laughs> then I wrote, makes no sense that Samuel Hakeon would defend him. <laughs> Can we just leave in the the silence while you look through your notes looking yeah. for funny things? Because yeah. I like that. I want wrote, everyone to have the same experience I'm having. Ham Green looks like my grandpa. <laughs> Looks Which low. he does. He looks like my grandpa. And I kept saying that. And apparently it was really annoying. Sorry it to wasn't. our friends who watched this with us. You were just saying it to me. Um, There's a part where they stutter. Okay, the guy, the terrorist dude, oh. fakes a stutter because some, apparently he knows that that's going to trick the psychologist into thinking that he doesn't want money. Okay? <laughs> so that's that's the story with that. That's like basic second one one Jen. Come right. on. But they totally stole that. He's a megalomaniac. That... Me me <laughs> He's a megalomaniac. Wow. That was like one of my notes. Who probably has schizophrenia, he says, and he stuttered, and he got really upset when you right. mentioned money. So Exactly. But my point is, and this is, I believe, the second week in a row that we've Wait, talked about. Says the psychologist who's not even on the fucking phone call and can't hear this. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. He didn't have he a handset. He had hand a set. thing held up to his ear. Yeah, he did. Okay. Anyway, my point with all that <laughs> Sorry. was 
that they stole that from a fish called Wanda. And this is the second week, not in a row, but when we did True Lies, of course, because it was Jamie Lee Curtis, we talked about a fish called Wanda, a, a highly much superior movie. But they stole the part where they're like, kill me. Oh, yeah. I was like, are Bruce you? Bruce Willis says that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go watch. Once of... again, go watch watch A Fish Called Wanda um, instead of any of these blockbusters. <laughs> Though I will, I mean, I think I think this, this was... is the best one. Yeah. In for me, this was the best that we've watched it's so far. It's too long. I will. It's too long, and I was like ready for it to end. Yeah. But it did address some racial shit, um, which I always appreciate in the '90s. Um, I like it better than the original Die Hard, actually, I think. And the reason for that is... Wow, hot take coming. Be- it's because the thing that ruined Die Hard for me is the end when um, Reginald Bill Johnson, the cop, he has... I'm not going to get the story right. You can correct me, Micah, but... What? He... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he is, like, spooked about... about shooting people or something he had like a bad experience and then at the very end he shoots someone and then it's like ah he's back yay he's a cop and now he can kill people again and i was like gross like that's everything that's wrong with cops and police and that mentality is so fucked up again though psychologically sound immersion therapy (laughs) he has anxiety about it and then he just goes and unloads on a guy He's totally fine. Yeah. So anyway, that part kind of ruins that movie for me. Um, the rest of it is really is fun and whatever. But this one I liked better because it wasn't like that. I think I kind of agree because I like the first one. It's a classic. It is. No, I'm, I know. The second one, supposedly, I haven't seen that, but it's duty and people are like, eh, it's okay. This one is the next Judy? best in the franchise. That's what people say about it. diehard people say that. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's just lingo. Like as use. in poop. Yep. Okay. Um, this one supposedly is the best sequel of the whole franchise. You know, the yeah. second best film. Yeah. I actually liked it a little better. I think the setting is cool. I think it's. I mean, I have issues with the whole gimmick and the whole. It feels a well, little. No, I mean, it staged and weird. It, it, it's hard to follow, and it. I mean, it's not really hard to follow. It's just whatever, whatever, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's but it's... I like the crazy explosions and the yeah. set pieces are really well done the and scenes... they're fun and they're over the top and ridiculous. Like it doesn't take itself seriously. Oh, yeah, the one, the scene with the subway, like coming off the tracks and then turning sideways through the whole like onto the subway platform and like it just keeps like turning around. Oh, by it's the way, no great. one was killed. No somehow. one was killed. Graham but, Greene goes through a list of the injuries. We got a ton of scrapes and bruises. We got a woman whose water broke. Uh, other than that, it's fine. Right, but I but it's a really cool scene. Is it's what I was going to say. And it's not again. It's not too long. The explosions are cool. The one like, it's not even a car chase, but the car, you know, where they're trying to get somewhere fast in the car. That's yeah. when they drive through like Central Park and all that shit like so basically it's just not to, too long it's cool it's good to it's fun to watch little, um simon has them go on all these little missions across town and they have to go through new york traffic in 20 minutes right. over and over and over and over and go all over town and, and they always have to solve his payphone. riddles and they have to pick up a payphone and do stuff um I'll, we'll get to the riddles oh my but god there's another one where he they're in like an aqueduct um yeah with all these dump trucks mm-hmm. and they blow the dam and the water comes rushing down at John McClane. So he backs up. It's such a fucking incredible sequence. I can't 
get over it. I wanted to watch that over and over and over. It's he throws the dump truck in reverse as the water's coming down the pipe toward him. <laughs> he then uh... gets to like a junction, so it's a little bit more open. And he fucking Jim Rockford's a dump truck, does like a J-turn mm-hmm. and spins the thing around and takes off so he can drive forward. Yeah. Amazing. That would be enough, right? No. Mm-mm. He keeps going. No, because the water is overtaking him now. The water is now. overtaking him. He crawls out of the dump truck. Somehow. Up on the roof. Oh, yeah. Surfs the dump surfs, truck. Surfs, which is kind of cool because last week we did a movie about surfing. Yeah. Fucking amazing, right? He surfs the dump truck he's and he's going to get out. This is the incredible. Truck, yeah. Then he grabs a ladder that's hanging from the ceiling. Is it a ladder or just like a grate? It's like a grate that's hanging down, but it's hanging straight down and so he can grab it. Yeah. He climbs up and there's like a tube that goes up. It's like a vent yeah. thing, like a valve that mm-hmm. this guy was explaining to him before. Mm-hmm. As he's climbing up, the water gets to one of these mm-hmm. little tubes and shoots up like a geyser and shoots him like a fucking rag doll <laughs> yeah. 50 feet in the air. It's like a Warner Brothers And he cartoon. lands in a puddle. It's literally... It, it, and he's fine. It's really like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's so, it's so funny. It's like something that sequence. would happen to Wile E. Coyote. Like. And um, Samuel Jackson just happens to be driving right by that mm-hmm. hole in the ground as the geyser shoots out. Right then, yeah. I mean, they were supposed to meet up near there, so it's totally believable. Sure. I mean, you can't question oh, that kind God. of stuff. Oh, my God. I love that sequence so much. It's it was so fucking really good. It's really funny. I mean, it's good. It's it's entertaining, but it's hilarious. Um, I would like to just read real quick. So our friends that we watched this with, I asked them to give me like a summary, yes. like their summary of the movie. <laughs> um, so our first friend, uh, Max, says... He said, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, at the end. And that was his whole summary. That was the summary of the film. Um, And then our other friend who shall remain nameless because she has a major fear of becoming famous. Yeah. (laughs) Which I've told her repeatedly is not going to happen on this podcast, but um, hers is my favorite. She might become famous from this beautiful synopsis. This This is my favorite. The summary... Is a hot drunk man meets a hot woke black man, and then the Germans make elaborate fake bomb threats while stealing all the gold and green guts. <laughs> and there are two women, one with good hair who makes coffee and doesn't want children to get blown up. Maternal instinct, am I right? And one who is mean, and you can tell from her blunt bob and eyeliner, but she has zero lines. That's the mute. Then the bald drunk one crashed the German helicopter in Canada <laughs> and yells, yippee motherfucker, and then calls his estranged wife off camera because she's a stubborn biatch. That's accurate. Anyway, I loved it, and so I, j- I wanted to share that. It's very good. So the structure of the and movie- And that pretty much sums it up. Is that they have to chase around New York City and try to solve these riddles before a bomb goes off. And um, he, he, Simon likes to speak in rhyme a lot. He has yes. a lot of- Oh my God. It's the best. Really interesting little rhymes. Um, but I want to go through the riddles. Can we talk about the riddles? Can I just say first what my favorite part of all that was? Yeah. Was just when they're on the phone and he does his first rhyme. Birds of a feather flock together, so do pigs and swine. Rats and mice have their chance, as will I have mine. And Bruce Willis is like... Nice. Rhymes. Nice. <laughs> rhymes. Rhymes. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean about him playing like a dumbass, yeah. tough guy. Like he... He's clearly being funny, but also doesn't get it, you know? Yeah, he. it's good that he has Samuel L. Jackson with him because he's really good at this stuff, he says at one point. Yeah. Um, so the first, really the first riddle, it's awesome. They're listening on a busy street corner. Samuel L. Jackson has to tell a woman who's on the phone, 
get off the damn phone. Police business. Uh, a fat woman. They talk a lot yeah. about that for some reason. Um, she says, well, I never, and storms off. Oh, yeah. Um, and they pick up the phone, and Simon gives them a riddle. And uh-huh. he says, my phone number is 555, and then the last four digits are the answer to the riddle. Right. So you need to dial that and call me within 30 seconds or I'm going to blow up the garbage can that's right below the phone you're on. Mm-hmm. On a busy New York street mm-hmm. in the middle of the day with mm-hmm. hundreds of people around. Mm-hmm. So it's the riddle about, as I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Each wife had seven sacks. Can we just talk like like polygamy was cool <laughs> then? We're just supposed to assume that? All right. Um, what? They had seven sacks each? Each wife had that's seven sacks. Every sack had Jesus, seven cats. Jesus, why doesn't he carry some shit, man? Like Every cat had seven kittens. Kittens, cats, sacks, wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Right. So they do the math real quick, and Samuel Jackson does it by closing his eyes mm-hmm. and saying the answer. Yeah. Um, because he's really good at this he stuff. He does the math real quick. And Bruce Willis just keeps yelling, seven wives, St. Ives, seven sacks. Oh. Well, he's just like, seven times seven. Okay, what's 49 times seven? Okay, what? I mean, it, he does the math right there. Like, yeah. he doesn't just. But then he realizes it's a riddle. It's not a math problem. Exactly. There's only one person to go into St. That's Ives. That's right. So the number is 555 five, five, zero, zero, one. Right. They dial it. It's been longer than 30 seconds. He says that they're going to die and he's going to blow them up and they dive out of the way. It's funny. And nothing like, happens. Boom! And somebody says, welcome to New York. It's funny. Because there's a crazy guy diving on the ground. But Simon's just laughing on the other end of the phone. They come it's back. funny. And he says, I didn't say Simon Says. So oh, there wasn't God. really a bomb? That's not how Simon Says works. Nice. Rhymes. Nice. Rhymes. And then you, are, you already said the what has four legs and is always ready to travel. Yeah, it's an elephant, Mm -hmm. which I didn't get. Micah had to tell me it has a trunk. That helps them find a fountain where there are two jugs. There's a little elephant. Oh, my God. Please tell. explain this to me. Okay. Explain this fucking bullshit to me. So there's an elephant on the fountain. They go around the other side, and there's uh, two jugs, a five-gallon jug and a three-gallon jug. Yes. And there's a bomb in a briefcase. Yes. And it says, hi, I'm a bomb. Um, order when they open to, it yeah. up, you disarmed me. In order to disarm me, you have five minutes to put exactly four gallons on this scale. Exactly. Which and- my biggest problem with this, I know it's set in America, so he probably was working with what he had, but he's German, right? And all the other terrorists, I do want to point out, they're not all German. There's Bulgarians and Hungarians and other people. They all look very Aryan, though. Um Why would he do gallons? Why wouldn't he do... It's metric, I right? don't know. They're- and also, how do you... M- Gallons aren't measured by weight, are they? No, but four gallons of water has a known weight. Like he would know how much okay. it was going to weigh if it had four gallons in it. <sighs> yeah. So basically, to deactivate the bomb, you need four gallons exactly. And if yeah. it's one ounce over or under, the bomb will go mm-hmm. off. And, and you can't so, run away because it has a proximity circuit on it. And whatever the fuck that means. So so they have to figure out with a five gallon. Uh, jug and a three gallon jug how to get exactly four gallons i think it's impossible it's super simple jen there are two methods yeah and and i'm not going to agree with either one of them the first method which is the one i thought of while i was watching it and they're arguing is you fill the three gallon jug and pour it into the five gallon jug right Mm -hmm. you refill the three gallon jug and pour the water into the five gallon jug until the five gallon jug is full which gives you one gallon in the three gallon jug right Mm, okay. Right? Yeah. You filled it twice. 
So that's six gallons. You poured it in the five-gallon jug. There's one gallon left. Okay. Okay? You empty the five-gallon jug, and you pour that one gallon from the three-gallon jug into the five-gallon jug, right? Oh, so you've got and one then there. you fill the three-gallon jug. Fill the three-gallon, pour it in oh, the five. Oh, that actually does make sense. Put it on there. That's method one. That's not what they did. I no, because what they did didn't make sense. I, I didn't. What they did is they filled the five-gallon jug, and they poured it into the three-gallon jug. So now there's two gallons in the five-gallon jug, right? They what? empty the three-gallon no. jug. No, you fill the five-gallon jug. Oh, I see. Sorry. Pour it into and then, the three. Yeah, okay. So now you've got two gallons. Right. Then you empty the three-gallon jug and pour those two gallons into the three-gallon jug. Okay? Right. So then you refill the five-gallon jug and pour that water into the three-gallon jug until the three-gallon jug is full, leaving four gallons in the five-gallon jug. Oh, okay. Okay. So you just added one and took but one away also, from the five-gallon. Okay, okay. You're right. That does make sense. Thank you so for that's explaining the one it to me because it was really bothering me. But that still would not be so exact that there that you couldn't be an Within ounce an off. Ounce. There's yeah. no fucking. As they're splashing the water no. around. I mean, it's not. That's that's my main problem with it. It's not. It's not so much figuring out how to do it as there's no possible way that it could be that exact unless it was marked on there. You know what I mean? Even then, it's not going to be exact. Like there's no. It was stupid. Samuel Jackson's really good at this stuff, Jen. I I like the I like the riddle thing and having to solve the puzzles and figure that out. I I do like I like that kind of thing a lot, but this one just didn't. It's impossible to make it that exact. I still think it's impossible. So then you mentioned that there was a school with a bomb in it. Um, they also when they blew up the subway system, um, that was under Wall Street. It was at a Wall Street subway station Mm -hmm. so what that did was it disarmed they had to disarm all the sensors and security systems on wall street basically at the federal reserve bank and that was the whole plan from the beginning simon wanted to steal all the gold in the federal reserve bank because in the basement of the federal reserve bank i don't know if you guys know this there are a whole bunch of like they look like jail cells but they have placards on them that say the names of countries and inside each of those there are stacks of gold bars which I don't explain that to me. What is that? What does that mean? That's nonsense. It's their money. That money belongs to Japan or yeah, whatever. Like Saudi Arabia has a bunch of gold bars in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York, and they store it there. That is nonsense. $140 billion worth of gold I mean, back in 1995. Yeah. All of these different countries have It's it. just tons and tons of like really heavy gold and bars. And they're all on pallets. It's very strange. I, so yeah. Simon breaks in. They have like a tunneling machine. They break in from the subway. Um, They drive these little like bobcats in there. And instead of driving a forklift in and loading the pallets up, it'd be super fast. They drive these little bobcats in and they use the scoops to scoop up gold bars and load them into containers. Yeah. It's fucking weird. I mean, yeah, whatever. So the school riddle and the school stuff is all... Like to distract them and get the police right. away. That's the main point is yeah. is is that they like every police officer is at a school because they spread out across the city trying to figure out what there's yeah. this bomb was. Because so then, apparently they're that stupid that they would every single cop would be I don't yeah. know. I but mean, John McClane figures it out and he goes back to Wall Street. I believe but, you mean look. McClabe. McClabe. McClabe figures it out. But first, um, before they can chase down, they chase down the the dump trucks full of gold and they 
um, get to a, another riddle that they have to solve where there's a boat, a little canoe, and they have to get a fox and a chicken and a bag of grain across the river. No, they did not do that. <laughs> Were you testing to see if I was listening? Because I was beginning to zone out. I stop, I'm, That's just how I'm I ready felt. to stop listening. I was like, when are they going to have to take a fox and a <laughs> chicken and a bag of grain across the river? That would have been really funny, actually. That's if, how I felt about all the riddles. If they had to like, physically do something like that, that yeah. would have been hilarious. So they get on the ship, and at some point, Simon has switched all the gold bars, but he didn't tell his second-in-command guy, the, the Hungarian explosives expert, the boyfriend of the mute woman. Um, but he finds out that there are not gold bars on the ship. They blow up the ship. They all take off. Um, the mute woman kills the Hungarian boyfriend, mm -hmm. betrays him, and she takes off with Simon. And they blow up the ship with um, Samuel Jackson and McClabe on it. And <laughs> he's a locksmith, so he can pick the the handcuffs that handcuffed them to the bomb on the ship with a piece of the cable that was stuck into John McClane's arm. Yeah. He pulls it out with his mouth and then drops yeah. it into... Yeah, it's gross. Um, they jump off the ship as it's exploding, and everybody knows, um, like we learned in True Lies, if you jump away from an explosion and go underwater, you're fine. Right. So they're fine. The ship blows up. Unless you're a bad guy. So everyone in the world or in New York thinks that all the gold in the world or in the Federal Reserve Bank is now at the bottom of the ocean because he recorded a message and sent it out. Um, but McLean knows that's not true. So as he's leaving, as um, Simon is leaving, he asks him if he has any aspirin because he's been hurting a lot. And Simon also has migraines. That's one thing they tell him. So he's chewing on aspirin the whole day. McLean looks at the bottom of the aspirin bottle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is where the movie ends, you think. It's like, he beat me. And he got away with all the gold. And Samuel Jackson is like, no, fuck that. You're still alive, aren't you? Like, he didn't beat you. So he got away with it. Big deal. And it should have ended there. He gives him a quarter to go call his wife and tells him, you need to contact your wife. That's you haven't talked to her in a year. stubborn bitch. He's looking at the aspirin bottle as he's on the phone, and he sees on the bottom of the aspirin bottle, this is a law in Canada, I think, the Queen's Law um, AS421, where you have to print <laughs> on the bottom of the aspirin bottle where it was purchased mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. It says Nord du Line, or Lean, I don't know how to say it in French. It means north of the border. Yeah, which everyone knows is the biggest truck stop in Canada. It's in Quebec. So that's where they go. They take a helicopter there. How did he know from looking at where he bought the aspirin that that's where he was going back to? All criminals do that, Jen. I don't understand. You buy aspirin next to your hideout. It's a known thing. So Samuel Jackson, for some reason still, the NYPD is like, yes, take the civilian with you to go mm -hmm. <laughs> get the terrorists. Do it again. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. That's something we want to do. <laughs> so they fly in a helicopter to Quebec. They have hundreds of police at the border. Um, they're ready to catch him. And they see through the a hole in the top of this warehouse or something, they see Jeremy Irons and the mute woman have starting to have sex. Mm -hmm. And they shine a spotlight on him. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes him mad. So he jumps in a helicopter too with like a minigun on it and a it's rifle It's really easy thing. to jump onto helicopters and stuff. I don't think that's what you meant just now, but just that's something that I learned from all these movies. It's yeah. Like, it's really easy to jump on top of a train Jump onto a helicopter, right. you know, 
and stuff like that. It's convenient. They design them that way for um, action heroes. Yep. Just in case it's needed. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's a helicopter fight. Um, they shoot down John McClabe's helicopter and they land it fine and it's safely. Funny every time. But Samuel L. Jackson can't get his seatbelt undone because he can do riddles and he's a locksmith and he's an electrician, but he can't operate a seatbelt. So he's stuck in the helicopter. Simon is still flying around shooting. So John McClabe uh, runs away and distracts them and like draws them away. And he just has a little pistol that the helicopter pilot had. It's like a little toy gun. And it's so fucking dumb. Jeremy Irons flies slowly closer and closer to John McClane, lowers down below some power lines, and then stares at him. They make eye contact for a while and like eye fuck each other. Um, And he doesn't fire his gun and kill this guy who he's been trying to kill the entire fucking movie. He just stares at him long enough for Bruce Willis to shoot a transformer and have the power line come down and wrap around the rotors of the helicopter and then helicopter goes boom. Mm-hmm. And he says, say hi to your brother. Right. Yep. Good old Hans. And that is when he's laying on the ground and he says, yippee motherfucker. Right. And that's the end of the movie. Then he goes and he puts an American quarter in a payphone and he and Samuel Jackson laugh and stuff and they're buddies. I wonder if the next movie is all about how that call went or like didn't go through because he was in Canada. Yeah, and he tried to call collect, but the guy only and spoke French. It's gonna be a whole thing. And It'll he's be... like, I don't speak French, motherfucker. Right. That's the whole movie, basically. So that's how this movie ends. There was a different ending. On the DVD, on some special edition DVD, there's a whole ending that they shot and edited, and the, it was the original ending, but they decided for reasons to do it differently. So this is from the original script before it was gonna be a diehard movie so it mm-hmm. didn't really fit with john McClane's character but in this one um simon gets away he gets all the gold gets away and john McClane actually uh they think he's in on it with them so he gets fired and he's oh. under investigation and stuff and so he's like fuck it i'm gonna catch this guy myself he catches him in some other country somewhere um he tracks him down and for some reason he has like a chinese rocket launcher because he just picked that up along the way as what? he's going. Chinese? Why is that yeah. important? Um, because the controls are weird and they've they've like rubbed off the all the sights and the all the markings on it. So you don't know which way the rocket's gonna come out, Jen. Okay. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But they play Russian roulette with it. So it's Simon and John McClain having a long conversation. And spinning this thing and playing Russian roulette. And then he makes him pull the trigger one time and it goes through Jerry May Irons torso and blows him up. Jerry May Irons? (laughs) Jerry May Irons. Who the fuck is that? (laughs) Jeremy's um, younger brother that they brought in as a stunt double. So they decided that this was too anticlimactic because it's just a long conversation between the two of them. It doesn't match any of the other films. And then he blows him up and he says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. and it was also just too dark for john mcclain's character like he it took him to a weird place that they said it didn't really work so instead they just had him shoot i'm sorry yeah how is that darker than (laughs) i don't know like all the people he kills in this movie like i just like imagining him playing russian roulette with a a rocket rocket launcher And then saying, after he shoots someone in half, saying, yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been good. 
I think it should have ended. I think he should have gotten away with it and they should have ended it. Yeah, and then they could have picked it up in the fourth movie. Yeah. But yeah. in the fourth movie, he kills um, Mrs. Gruber, their mom. She gets really mad. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you keep killing all my sons, <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> it absolutely should be their mom. That'd be funny. And then in the fifth movie, it's Mr. Gruber. He's yeah. like, you killed my wife and children. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so let's die hard with a vengeance. Yeah. Boy, is it. Um, oh, I get it now. It was vengeance, vengeance like, yeah. for his brother. Mm -hmm. He just got that. Um, I was trying to think of how to tie this to any sort of Montana or, you know, whatever situation. I can't really, but um, I will. I I think that I should talk more, uh, maybe not on this episode because it's already too long, but um, at some point soon, I think I would like to talk a little bit more about what was going on before I was sent to Montana. Um, I'm not sure how much I've talked about that or like, you know, how it came to be that I was sent away from home for two years. So I guess look forward to that if you want. Uh, but let's wrap this one up because we're at the end here. And yeah. by the way, I never, I wouldn't have seen this movie. If you had been I would. I, had, I would never have seen probably any of these summer blockbusters yeah. that we've done because I hated violence. And violent movies. So, and I was a big baby about it. So, it's hard to say what I would have thought of it back then because it wasn't really my, wasn't my jam, you know? Yeah, I didn't, I'd never seen this movie either and I don't know why. I never got into the Die Hard movies. I've never seen any of them except the first one. Hmm. And this one now. Mm. Well, you're not a huge, like, Die Hard fan. Oh, okay. Of the original die hard i see what you did yeah i mean for real though you're not like a huge fan of the original you're saying i'm not a die hard die hard fan that's what i'm right. saying yeah we got it okay anyway thank you so much for listening to us babble on and, and on, on about and on this fucking movie uh it was fun it was a lot of fun thanks to our friends who watched it with us that also made it fun and um if you want to do something nice today you could leave us a review only a nice one, please. Uh, if you hate this show, then just don't bother writing a review. Uh, you could give us a five-star rating. You could become a patron. You could just tell a friend about us. Um, or you could just go on living your life. Or join our Facebook group. Um, mm -hmm. It's called I Never Saw That, mm -hmm. just like the podcast is. <laughs> so it's easy to find. We did that on purpose. Yeah. We're good at, with the marketing and stuff. Um, so, yep. Thanks again. Love you all so much. Uh, and thanks to Grandma Cray for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See, see you in, in the, the 90s. 90s. You be kind, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>